Columbo, Sherlock Holmes, Eddie Valiant, Basil of Baker Street. The greatest detectives don't just see the world, they observe it. In the late 80s, Disney released back-to-back films featuring some of cinema's preeminent investigators. In the first, Basil of Baker Street embarks on the greatest case of his career when London's master toy maker is kidnapped. It's a battle of wits against his oldest adversary, Professor Radigan, who wants to become supreme ruler of Maustum. In the other, a washed-up private eye investigates an adultery scandal involving Jessica and Roger Rabbit. But when the owner of Toontown is found murdered, the villainous Judge Doom vows to catch and destroy Roger. Today on Fantasmic, the game is afoot. The Great Mouse Detective versus Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Let's go! everyone welcome to fantasmic the happiest podcast on earth where we have magically inspired debates about disney's movies and tv shows my name is mitchell dupree my name is brandon sharp and my name is zachary smith michaels and we are going to be spending our time today debating two of my favorite movies in the world who framed roger rabbit and The Great Mouse Detective. And that's what we're going to do every week on this show. We're going to take two beloved Disney movies, which will always be on Disney+, Plus, because we (laughs) want to make this easy for our viewers to be able to tag along. I'm going to give one of these movies to each contestant on Fantasmic, and they're going to passionately defend their movie to the death on why it is the better movie, why it deserves the praise and the glory and the honor. Amen. To the death. Uh, (laughs) This is a Disney podcast. (laughs) And uh, at the end, what we're going to do is we're going to allow you, the audience, to decide who had the better arguments uh, and which movie deserves to be victorious for this week's episode of Fantasmic. Whoa. So without much further ado, I think we should get into it, fellas. Uh, What do you think? Sounds good to me. I agree. All right. Well, there are going to be five questions today, and we're going to jump into our first question of Who Framed Roger Rabbit and the Great Mouse Detective. Who makes a better private eye of the main two characters in those two movies? Who is the better private eye? Zachary? Well, who is the better private eye? When I think about a private eye, I think about they have to have the style, they have to have, you know, the know-how, they also need to have a little bit of a dark side. And they need to be a good detective, essentially. And I think that I get the full package with Eddie Valiant from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Bob Hoskins is great as Valiant. And I think that from him in that movie, we get the full package of what a private eye is. In that, you know, he's he's a little rough around the edges. He doesn't take any guff from anybody. He has a, he has a bit of a drinking problem. And he wears the outfit. He wears the classic private eye outfit. So, like, when I close my eyes and think about what is a private eye, I think of Bob Hoskins. All right. Excellent points, Zachary. Brandon, you want to take it away? Who's the better private eye in your eyes? Well, in my eyes... I feel like the better private eye would be someone modeled after the greatest detective in all of literature, and that is Basil (laughs) of Baker Street, who's clearly a mouse version of Sherlock Holmes. (gasps) 
<laughs> Mazel is in his home using chemistry to deduce, and he is out tracking down clues, and he clearly has a mind for detective work. And I feel like he lives and dies by his failures and his victories. He is completely invested in the mystery uh, du jour, if you will. So I am going to go with Basil of Baker Street from The Great Mouse Detective. All right. Basil of Baker Street versus Detective Valiant from Who Framed. Get into it, fellas. Well, you know, Brandon, you were talking about Basil of Baker Street playing with a chemistry set. Yes. And I don't know. When I think of a private eye, I don't I don't think about chemistry. Oh, you think of a I drunk guy that, in a bar? I do. No, I really do. Like, I really do. That's a great point. Like, when I think of a private eye, I think of a guy who is a little bit dirty, of a guy who's willing to roll up his sleeves to get the job done. I think there's and a difference is- between rolling up your sleeves to get the job done and being incompetent. He's not incompetent. I would say his greatest asset is just being able to like rough people up. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's he's definitely gruff, but I mean, yeah. I don't feel like he's actually getting things accomplished. I mean, Basil is tracking down clues and making progress in his mystery. He does. He figures out that clue so quick. What which clue is that? The the one that he gets <laughs> in the movie theater at the end when he he doesn't even need a clue. Just someone shows up and he goes, "Oh, aha, that's right." Here's here's the thing about yeah. about Basil though is Basil is, he's a wimp. Basil is a wimp. Well, we're not talking about who's the best fighter, okay? Well, that's part of being a private eye, Brandon. Part of it is like you can, yeah, you can walk into any room and you know that you're going to be good. You know that you're in control. Also, you know, he's he's busy. (laughs) Basil's too busy walking around being British and trying to be smarter than everybody else. Oh, Eddie Valiant, word. he's a real man's man, which is a term that I hate, but you know what? Well, you That's what used a private it. eye is. You used it. You and opened up thing. that there door. Is, <laughs> there are no British private eyes, Brandon. Well, I would like to think that if I had a loved one who was kidnapped or what have you, I'm not going to go looking around for a man's man who's, you I'm know. I'm not going to go get a mouse. I want someone who, they live in a world of mice, okay? That's that's the movie. You gotta you have to adopt the premise. These are mice, okay? So they are calling upon their greatest detective. But the, Sherlock Holmes is upstairs. Sherlock in, Holmes in that movie. is upstairs, but this is a mouse problem. This is a mouse problem. They go to the the mouse detective, okay? He's actually yes. solving crimes. He's actually filling in the gaps here. Upon meeting his partner, though, he tries to shoot him point blank. He's like, hold these pillows. And he's aha, which Valiant might not like Roger, but at no point does he try to take poor Roger's life. It's played for laughs. Let's let's take it easy. It is a light yeah. moment in the... It's all fun and games until Dawson dies. He also fires a gun in a room with a little girl. So, I mean, let's, let's be... Yeah! Boo! Boo, Basil! Boo! Boo! Eddie Valiant lives up to his name. He's Valiant. He's... Look, if we're talking about who's the classier detective, sure, it's Basil. But if we're talking about Private Eye, classic serial type 1940s style movie, he talks the talk, he walks the walk. It's uh, It's got to be Valiant. It's got to be. Okay. Well, I feel like there's no convincing you here, so. <laughs> yeah, we're arguing. <laughs> all right folks we've got time just for our closing arguments here so one last push from each of you what is a private eye to you what makes a private eye and why is your character the better private eye of the two characters 
I feel like a private eye is someone who can actually solve a mystery, just point blank. Like we are looking for someone who can track down evidence, clues, solve a mystery, competent. He is using all the tricks and tools of the trade to accomplish his goals. And Valiant is, like I said before, drunk in a bar. He's disgraced. He's racked up a huge bill around town. He is a monster if you consider the way he treats women. Anyone he comes across, he's bumping people all the way, punching them. He's just a, he's a mean cuss. He's got other things on his mind than, than solving mysteries. And that's why I'm going with Basil of Baker Street. Every Private Eye movie ever, it's always a washed-up detective <laughs> who's down on their luck. You don't believe in them, you look past them, and then all of a sudden, oh, you see, they are good at this. If they just could get their head in the game. Private Eye movies are about people who are overcoming their past mistakes and their weaknesses, who are rediscovering what they love, and we see Valiant do that in the movie. You know, he is dealing with the loss of his brother, and he's trying to get back into a normal lifestyle, which he does. And look, if you're trying to convince me of Basil's goodness, let us not forget that when he meets a little girl who has lost her father... He can't even say her last name right. Like, if he's such a good person in your own estimation, don't you think that he could say Flaversham? He's a private eye. He should know how to say words. And he's British. Boom. Well, any fears I may have had about will this show work were just uh, blown out of the water, <laughs> gentlemen. So good job. <laughs> you both did great. Yeah. That was fan- the most passionate debate about mice I think I've ever heard uh. between the two of you. <laughs> They're mice. <laughs> Come on, you gotta accept it. They're mice. <laughs> well, this is the part of the episode where we're gonna turn it to fans. You gotta let us know who won the first round. Was it Brandon's defensive mice, or was it Zach's hard hits against Basil and his wimpiness? You be the judge. Alrighty, let's go on to question two. Our first out of the vault question. Uh, A little bit of history before we uh, jump into the round. Bob Hoskins was not the first choice to play Detective Eddie Valiant. Among those originally considered to be the private eye were Harrison Ford, who was too expensive, Chevy Chase, who wasn't interested in the part, and Bill Murray, who allegedly never got the message and was really sad when he found out he missed the chance to be the role. Christopher Lloyd also wasn't the producer's first choice. They originally wanted Tim Curry, John Cleese, and Christopher Lee. So my question to the two of you is, in a perfect world, who should really have played Detective Eddie Valiant and Judge Doom? Going over to Who Framed Roger Rabbit for this one, we saw started with Zach last time, so we are going to Brandon to open us up. So who really should have played Detective Eddie Valiant and Judge Doom? Let me start by saying I enjoyed Bob Hoskins. I thought he did a good job. I also enjoyed Christopher Lloyd. I like both of those actors. I don't know a whole lot about Hoskins, but I know plenty about Lloyd, and I think they're great. I really, real early on, said to myself... I could definitely see an Alec Baldwin playing this role. Now, keep in mind, I'm talking about what I know of Baldwin like now. I don't know what he was doing in 88, but I will say he's got the gruff. He's absolutely got that gruff, gravelly voice. I think of a movie like The Departed. You know, he's very all business, snappy retorts. And I think there was like a part in the movie. I'm sure there was a part in the movie where Bob Hoskins starts dancing. And I'm like, this man looks out of place. 
He doesn't know what he's doing. I think Alec Baldwin would have done a great job. He has some theatrical background, I know. And he can sing, at the very least. And I think he would be a a great Hoskins. For Lloyd's role, I went with a Jim Carrey. I think this role just seems very (laughs) physical to me. It just seemed like a very physical physically demanding role, a lot of physical humor, and Jim Carrey nails that 10 out of 10 every time. If it's like something that has like tension on like the physicality, Jim Carrey nails it. All right, Alec Baldwin and Jim Carrey. Zach, show us something better. So I agree, Brandon. I actually really enjoyed Hoskins in the movie, but I thought it feels like he's doing an Alan Arkin impression. You know, just that kind of loud, like, I'm Alan Arkin. How you doing, everybody? All right, I'm here on the private eye. I believe him a little more in a scrap than I do Hoskins. Alan Arkin just has this anger behind all of his performances, which I feel like I don't quite get from Hoskins. I get more sadness But I think the only thing that was lacking is I needed a little more fire behind him. And I think Alan Arkin would bring that tenfold. And, uh, you know, Christopher Lloyd, I I wasn't scared of him in the movie, believe it or not, upon this rewatch. So I thought, you know what I need is like an actor whose face can push through like the glasses and the black makeup. And I thought, well, who has the best face for playing a villain? That's Willem Dafoe. His face is so expressive and scary, and he just has a terrifying presence. Like, he wouldn't even have to scream. Just the way that he speaks, the way that he looks in that outfit, I think, would have been far more terrifying. Hmm. Vote Zach. All right, gentlemen, tear each other apart. Alan, Jim the real Carrey? Judge Alan Arkin. <laughs> Alan Arkin, that, that yep. sad sack of bones. Yeah, he's a private eye. We just he's, talked about this. He's ancient. <laughs> not in the not in eighty eighties. Okay. Well, you know what have you? This is what I'm thinking about. And right. all I can remember is like Argo. He's like limping around the set, cussing right. at people, and eh, not really a private eye material. Just kind of a senile old fool. Okay, take twenty years off of that performance. All it's right. the eighties with him, so he's gonna be younger. He's gonna be young enough where we have the same thing where he's cussing at everybody. <laughs> he's fiery, just like he is in the movie. Yeah, that's what I want. Jim Carrey, perfect, perfect, right? <laughs> Here's the thing: I wanted Doom to be more scary because I feel like Lloyd was a little too stoic. Have you seen the new Sonic trailer? Jim Carrey looks terrifying. Yeah, it looks awful. He I... looks <laughs> terrible in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he does two, not look terrible. I will never see lie. that movie. He looks way too scary. I, <laughs> that's the only reason you're never going to see it, huh? <laughs> I, no, because here's the thing. I would hate it when he goes, um, where did Roger Rabbit go? Oh, righty then. <laughs> I don't want that. He's not doing the Grinch in every movie. He Like, he can do other stuff. I know he can, but this feels like he would lean into that Grinch character. Whereas Maybe. Defoe, we would just have, I want to be the mayor of Toontown. But it would have been 88, remember? You keep reminding us, so we wouldn't have had the Grinch yet. That's when he played Jesus Christ, and Jesus was terrifying in The Last Temptation of Christ. Okay, I'm still talking about Jim Carrey. We wouldn't have had the Grinch yet right it would have been something completely or, it would have been original when he talks out of his butt in the movie yeah. okay all right all right all right let's narrow this down a little bit give me your reasons for detective eddie valiant first let's start there and okay. then we'll go yes, over yes, to yes. Doom. eddie valiant first okay so you didn't like my guy because he'd be cussing at people and have a bad temper <laughs> isn't that alec baldwin also <laughs> There's something Alec Baldwin has that Alan Arkin does not have. And I feel like it's it's humanity. 
there's like humanity to Alec Baldwin, and Alan Arkin is devoid of compassion. Have you not seen Little Miss Sunshine? Yeah, I did when I was in college because that's a college movie. No, it's a great movie. The scene when he has Olive <laughs> and he says to her, you know what a real loser is? A real loser is someone who's so afraid of losing that they don't even try. Now you're trying, right? He can play humanity, whereas Alex Humanity, Baldwin, you mean like, when he sends his grandson in to get porn for him in the at the gas station? <laughs> it's not his grandson. It's his, his like son-in-law, maybe. His son-in-law-in-law, like eight times removed. That I don't understand why that makes it different. Steve Carell offers. Steve Carell offers to get him something and that's right. what Grandpa wants. And that's what a private eye is! Listen, uh. Eddie Valiant, if we, <laughs> lest we forget, digs his hands right into Jessica Rabbit's cleavage in the movie. So if I'm thinking about who's gonna do that... Not to dwell on this, but he dug his hands into his wife's cleavage when he pulled her down behind the bar. Yep, that was his wife. I don't know what you're shaking your head at, I'm right. In the movie, he is like, I need to get a gun, and goes in to Jessica Rabbit's junk and he goes like oh talk about a booby trap <laughs> <laughs> that's Alan Arkin baby <laughs> Oh, man. This, this, All right, we'll have to get a fact checker on We that. rode that off the rails there. <laughs> oh, All right, you both, honestly, I might just take a point away from both of you because you picked two dirty old men for this. Al- Alec Baldwin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. I've seen what he says on airplanes. All right, redeem yourself. Last pitch for Judge Doom. I feel like we can do anything with makeup. We can do anything with effects. We can make Jim Carrey as scary as possible. I think what we're looking for is someone who can really encapsulate that physicality that Judge Doom brings to the the movie. And Jim Carrey, he is a character actor. He just becomes the character that he is playing, and he would be perfect. See, I don't need physicality from Judge Doom, though. I think what's so scary about him is the stillness of that character. But then when I see Christopher Lloyd's face where he just looks a little bored in the movie, or it looks like he's not convinced by the animation that's around him, which that was probably the case, I think about just an actor who has a terrifying face. So I don't need the physicality. I just need a more expressive actor. And ladies and gentlemen, there is no more expressive actor than the great Willem Dafoe. Hmm. Well, those are two good arguments. Uh, I'm surprised that you went to such old dudes for your your detective valiant, but that's... It was the 80s. It's your prerogative. It's your choice. They were younger. And let's try and remember this is a Disney podcast, so keep your mentions of pornography yeah, to a I, I felt myself leaving my body on a couple of those. Once you once you went there, Brandon, I was like, all right, cool. It's it's not often that Brandon know, is the one right? getting, I'm getting sultry. I'm getting yeah. hot under the collar, I think. All right, question three. Which of these two movies has the seedier setting? Seedier meaning sketchier, a little bit more dangerous, potentially, a little more risque. You tell me what you think seedier is. Which movie has the seedier setting? We're going back to Zach on this one. Look, if we're talking about what's the more seedier element, Brandon, the darkest, scariest thing in The Great Mouse Detective is a flamboyant rat who wants to be the queen. Whereas in my movie, we have Jessica Rabbit. We have Judge Doom. The world is dirty. They spend all their time in bars. There's a baby who swears in the movie. I mean, come on. It just is. Like, who framed Roger Rabbit? I don't know who the target audience is for this movie. <laughs> like, I was re-watching it, and I was, like, really shocked by how 
dark and seedy the movie was. Like, it was pretty bizarre for me to think about, is is this for kids? Whereas when I watch something like Great Mouse Detective, I'm like, oh, this is definitely for kids. You know, Basil's biggest adversary is a bat with a peg leg. Nothing that scary. The bad guys are singing musical numbers and having fun, whereas the bad guy is dropping people into vats that are causing them to, you know, die. <laughs> so if we're talking about seedier, I think it's my movie. Ooh, tough points, Brandon, but get in there. Why do you have the seedier movie? So let me paint a picture for you. First of all, turn of the century, pre-turn of the century London, it doesn't get any dirtier than that. Two, <laughs> down on the waterfront, the little um, little mouse pub that Basil and Dr. Dawson find their way into, very seedy, very seedy, very dirty. These are mice literally crawling through the pipes, and they find... They find Radigan's, they find Radigan's hideout, and you want to talk about you want to talk about something terrifying for a minute. How about when um, Olivia pulls back the covers in those in, on that cradle, and that bat goes full frame with the most terrifying face I've ever seen in my life. This is reminiscent of a Green Goblin in uh, in the first Spider-Man. Like, this is, this is that scary. This is that scary. Basically, take what we know about London, pre-turn of the century, late 1800s, and the pub is a big point for me as far as seediness goes, and I think you got to go with uh, Great Mouse Detective. Okay, well, I like how you talked about a scary scene, which is not the question we were talking about, which is seedier, and then you talk about the one club <laughs> in the movie, whereas Radigans hang out like they're drinking champagne, they're having a good time, they're singing that, oh, Radigan, oh, Radigan, whereas in my movie, they go to that, like, club that Jessica Rabbit's at, like, that was, you know, yikes, people. And they got a two ton cat paroling the outside of the hideout this is a dirty nothing location. says seedy like a kitten exactly yeah. <laughs> we have the office have you seen valiant's office where there's just like booze all over the place and he's washing his dishes in the sink and stuff like this world just feels like dirty lived in <laughs> like there's danger around the corner Whereas, like, I feel like the rudest thing in your movie is, like, when Radigan didn't ask for his biscuits and say please afterwards. I think you got to take a couple things into account here. First of all, they're two completely different styles of movie. Yes. This is a Disney classic, for lack of a better term. And who framed Roger Rabbit? I don't. E I don't even know. I know it's. I know it's Disney, <laughs> but it's. It's just not. It's like an otherworldly thing. I'd say, The Great Mouse Detective. Like this is as far as like you stack it up against other Disney classics, and just the setting and everything about it makes me feel like it is a questionable location. Look, in Great Mouse Detective, Radigan just wants to be the monarch. In Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Judge Doom wants to kill everyone in a town. <laughs> <laughs> like, Radigan's just like, we're going to tax the old and the crippled and the young. And everyone's like, oh, whereas Doom is like genocide i think like you said they're two very different movies yours definitely has a lot of very scary moments but at the end of the day i would let my kid watch great mouse detective yeah i really don't know when i'd be cool with my kid watching who framed roger rabbit because it is so seedy hmm. whoa no closing arguments necessary folks <laughs> uh brandon do you want to take one last swing I... for the for the chin I think I exhausted my options here. <laughs> <laughs> that was a 
That was a tough round for yeah. Brandon. God bless you. You really were up against the <laughs> that, wall that was, with that one. I you loved know, how you brought for, up that it was scary. I was like, ooh, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, question four, our next out of the vault one. Getting a little fun now. Led by focus group logic, Michael Eisner decreed that the name of the Great Mouse Detective, the working title, which was Basil of Baker Street, uh, he thought it sounded too British for American audiences. So that's why he changed it to the Great Mouse Detective. The animators then wrote this internal memo mocking the new generic title, so they start calling all these original Disney movies by these bland names, That's right? Fun. Like the Seven Little Men Who Help a Girl, uh, <laughs> Colors and Music, uh, Puppies Taken Away. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> here's what I want to do. I want you each to pitch to me your most flavorless titles for five classic disney movies and i think we just go one v one so they can vote between the two mm. so mm. yeah you know we'll just go one stacked against the next okay so brandon what is your first flavorless classic disney movie <laughs> i don't want you to tell me actually what the movie is i want to see if i can if oh can that's fun what it is so just say the name flying boy kidnaps children <laughs> can i do can i do mine yeah, Zach, go ahead. A permanent child kidnaps other kids. <laughs> All right, so both of you really leaning into the kidnapping element of Peter Pan yeah, here. Yeah. Come on, we'll fly. Flying boy kidnaps children versus what was yours? A permanent, child? a permanent child kidnaps other children. So those are very similar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. We'll both it. very good. Both very good. All right, give me your next ones. Zach, you go. Um, an elephant has big ears. <laughs> Downton Abbey for cats. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, I don't decide, but I'm gonna lean a little in Brandon's direction on no, this one. That was that was really good. That was really good. Alright, here we go. Girl pulls hair back and passes for boy. Jeez <laughs> Louise. That feels somehow offensive. I don't know why, but it but feels that's offensive the movie, to yeah. me. <laughs> well if we're going with offensive, um my next one is Arm the Homeless. What is that one? Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> give them give them monkeys and swords and yeah. see what happens. <laughs> they weren't powerful enough. Give them magic. <laughs> Alright, that was good. Brandon? Alright. Water Buffalo imprisons Town Girl. Water Buffalo imprisons town girl i haven't seen home on the range beauty in a long the, time beauty and the beast <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said i haven't seen home on the range in the <laughs> water buffalo <laughs> this is a classic uh, story la belle and the la belle and the bet oh <laughs> brandon good. um water buffalo <laughs> no that's rich man that's really rich mm. oh man okay zach an old man Teaches a little boy. Pinocchio? Pinocchio? No. Oh, no. Uh-oh. I don't know. Old, oh, um, the sword and the stamp. Yeah. Oh. Ah. Uh, old wizard. Give him some credit. Yeah. An old owl. Pickatus, <laughs> pickatus. <laughs> oh. oh. That's my jam. I wonder how many of our listeners have even seen Sword and the Stone. Oh, I have. I love it. I'll say watch it watch it with a grain of salt, because rewatching it, I'm like, huh, this is a little bit like school, but I also love it still, so. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. All right, last one. 
Alright, this is my big one, but maybe I should have switched my last two. But here we go. Big cat loses dad, kills uncle. I almost picked that one, but I was like, you know what? Lion King is a pretty boring name, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big cat loses dad, kills uncle. Yeah, that's what I right. Little cat loses dad, becomes big cat, kills uncle. Dinosaurs inherit the earth. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my final one is two dogs drive to a concert. <laughs> is that leading? Is that leading the trap? Two no. dogs. Two dogs drive. <gasps> what? That's a goofy movie. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! You Aww. went. You you went deep. Yeah, you went. <laughs> you went deep. I That's literally good. just I couldn't think of anything, so I was looking at my collections of movies, and I saw a goofy movie, and that one was just oh. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, you forget that that is all that happens in that movie, mm-hmm. and it's just a road trip movie. Yep. Yeah. Nice little break. I enjoyed that. Yeah. All right. You ready for the last round? Uh, yeah. Let's go. Okay. This is where you just take the gloves off and just go to town. Oh, okay. No rules. Final no rules. round. Okay. Which is the better movie, The Great Mouse Detective or Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Brandon, the floor is yours. The Great Mouse Detective is a classic tale. The tale of Sherlock Holmes is something that we grew up hearing about. And this is a version with a mouse. What's not to love? Honestly, this is a little heartwarming tale about a mouse detective tracking down a girl and her lost father and saving the day. That sounds like a fantastic movie to me. You want to traumatize a child? Play uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit for them. That's the only thing I can say is like it is a physically traumatizing movie. Like I am I am 35 years old and didn't get much sleep that night. I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. I, I thirty-five. I had to process. Yes. I had to process things like cartoons being dissolved in acid, dying before my eyes. I had to. I had to uh, process an intimate scene that they disguised as patty cake. Jessica Rabbit. Oh my word! Oh my word! I'm not going to go too deep into that, but just she's a mess. Brand doesn't, you know, doesn't like strong female characters. One one false move, and some little kid is getting their education. <laughs> Oh. Brandon Sharp, <laughs> kiss your mother. With Tell that me mouth. I'm wrong. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Is Zach, can you it... tell him he's wrong? Here's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> you said early on that we've seen Sherlock Holmes, and I don't want to dismiss The Great Mouse Detective. I like The Great Mouse Detective. However, the only thing about that movie that we haven't seen before is that it takes place with little mice, and I feel like that is not utilized that creatively in Great Mouse Detective. Like, if they were humans, I feel like you would have the exact same movie minus the cat eating people. Like, I feel like not much of that changes. I feel like it's not as as creative or as inventive as I would like a Disney movie to be. When I watch something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, though, my mind is still blown at how they merged that 2D animation with that real-life stuff. Like, this is a movie where you see Mickey Mouse, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Donald Duck. You see them all in the same movie. And it's something that, like, I honestly watched this movie. I was like, I don't know how this movie exists. I don't know how they got all these characters to be in the movie. And, I, you know, I feel like, um, like Roger Rabbit as a whole, you know, like you said, it... It might be a bit much for some people, but I think I appreciate that they're swinging for the fences with Roger Rabbit, whereas Great Mouse Detective, it just feels like they're playing it safe a little bit. And I think, you know, Roger Rabbit is innovative. It's risky. It's edgy. There's just more to write home about with that movie. 
Couple things. I'm gonna concede like one point. I wanna concede the fact that Roger Rabbit looks great. I'm thinking this is 1988 and yeah. this yeah. this is the good version visually of Space Jam. Of Space Jam. Absolutely. This Absolutely. is eight years earlier and it looks better. Other than that though, I would love to know who this movie was for, honestly. And I am shocked that Warner Brothers and Disney were able to get in the same room on anything, mm -hmm. let alone a movie with these kind of themes running throughout. You know, like it is a very raw graphic and, and the, the way they portray tunes is like the, the low life, lower class people. And Toontown is a dirty place. Anything goes. There are no rules. You know, they drop pianos on, on human heads. It is just like a, it is, it is way too much for an adult, let alone a child. But I mean, that's what I like about it. Like I was saying earlier, that, is that this movie goes for it. And again, like, you know, Great Mouse Detective, I think is fine. I think about a movie like The Rescuers and The Rescuers Down Under, how mm -hmm. they use being mice, like they fly on the albatross and that's like their version of an airplane or how they're in the restaurant and they're up in, in the rafters of the restaurant. Like Disney's really good at creating new worlds and yeah. to me great mouse detective like you said it's london it's not mouse london it just feels like it doesn't feel that inventive to me and that's what i want for my disney man what i like about disney is them taking classic stories that we know and twisting them putting them in this new world punching up the characters a little bit so the stories are always a little basic but you're always getting something fascinating and for this i don't know re-watching it it really felt like it was lacking also the movie's only an hour and 14 minutes long. It feels too short. It feels like the movie's just getting going, and I don't really get to spend that much time with these characters. And I wanted to spend more time with the characters, which is maybe good, but at the end, I, I just felt a little underwhelmed, whereas I did not feel that with <laughs> Roger Rabbit. At the end, I was just, whoa. And, you know, I think I'd rather leave feeling shaken up and a little more <laughs> starstruck by my movie than just kind of like, well, that was a nice, you know, 74 minutes. I think, I think that you made some good points. I think the one thing that you said earlier that I'll kind of hang my hat on is I would absolutely show Great Mouse Detective to my daughter, and there is no way in the world, I don't even know, like as long as I'm in charge of what Reagan or my children are watching, she wouldn't be watching Who Frames Roger Rabbit. You know, she may find her way in front of a television with that on at some point, but not while I'm in charge of what, what she's watching, so. That's for darn sure. <laughs> Hey, well, that's going to do it for our very first episode of Fantasmic. Ooh. Thank you so much, yeah, to everyone for listening. This was a lot of fun to record, I think, for all three of us. And really, we just want to encourage you to do a couple things. Now the ball is in your court. You get to decide who is the victor. Is it Zach? Is it Brandon? Is it Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Is it Great Mouse Detective? Uh, we're going to put up polls for each question, and we want you to vote to let us know who you thought had the better arguments and who the winner is. So definitely check us out on Facebook or our website. You can find both at Real Boys Podcasts. That's Real, R-E-E-L, Boys Podcasts. And if you're a big Disney fan, we want to know what movies you think we should be talking about. Please uh, get involved. Help us steer the show as we move forward. And again, we just want to say thanks for listening to the very first episode of Fantasmic. And in closing, a dream is a wish your heart makes. Mm. Amen. Savages, savages, barely even human. <laughs> Oh no, oh no. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. <laughs>